we're a little on the primitive side here. Not, not we, me, and Barry, but me. Hallelujah. So he didn't do anything. So if you would this morning, turn in your Bible with me to the book of John chapter 15. John chapter 15. I, I am I'm enthralled with this series that we're in. Uh, I, everything that we do, I get real involved in it. I, I am not just trying to pass the time on y'all. I believe that what we're doing right now, which I did teach in 2004, I looked it up and I taught this in June of 2004. Well, that's just practically two decades ago. So uh, this is so important. The name of my message is God is very much in love with me. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him who belong, he is weak, but they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. So let's find out what the Bible says. I believe that knowing, understanding, and living in the love of God, it, even though it's a given in most churches, in, most, in a lot of families, not, not most families, but a lot of families, where that they, everyone would acknowledge, yes, God loves us, but it means a lot of different things to them than what the Word says. I believe that the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, is not just River Church. We are just a part of the kingdom. So it's real important that we don't just minister here and make this our kingdom. River Church is not the whole kingdom. Therefore, we, we can send money and support into the kingdom. We can do what Lynn did, just have two and a half hour church for somebody that came by and said, I want to buy this from you, kind of a, a marketplace deal or whatever it was. And you just see that, that door opening and you make, take advantage of it. That's what we're here for. We do not work for a living. We plant seed for our living. But we work to be with people. Did you hear me? So if you just go to work for your paycheck, you're missing the whole point. I put down here in my notes that identity, my identity, your identity, who we believe we are. You have an assessment of who you believe you are. I hope that it's not different than what other people see and know. But our identity is who or what we determine to be the boundaries of our life. So you might have a different boundary in your life because you've been sitting under the gospel, you're in America, that might make a difference. Uh, you're, you're free, you're not a slave, you're not a, uh, a, a servant necessarily to someone uh, that works for wages. And all these factors come into our life, but we hardly, we rarely can think outside who we believe we are. We marry according to who th we think we are. If you have a low esteem of yourself, if you're, Daddy always told you you'll never amount to anything. Then you go and you find somebody that affirms that. And that's that's life. It's not that uh, nobody loves me. It's that's who we looked for. And therefore, that's who we found. Uh, our identity identity is who we qualify in our own heart that we are. We've all qualified for something. 
we're, we've, we've qualified to get a driver's license and drive a car. Some people don't do that. They, they don't even do that. But rarely, this identity is rare, is so that your children will rarely go past the identity that you assign to them. If you tell them you're average, you'll just hope for the best, but it's not likely you'll ever do anything or have anything. You'll never amount anything. It tends to be self-fulfilling, and a lot of, in, of us in this room are having to get past, now we have the word to get past what was assigned to us as our boundary, our limits, our jurisdiction. We like, this is all you'll ever be. And, uh, and then we find out the word says that we're so much more than that. And so we struggle sometimes with, uh, with uh, pro prosperity. You were brought up to think there's not plenty more where that came from. So you live within that self-imposed boundary. Go to the grocery store and your little one says, can I have this little toy at the checkout? And what would most parents say? We can't afford it. Well, who can't afford a, a $1.99? It, it, certainly it would not be wisdom at this point, but it's not like you can't afford it. But we enforce or we drive those, those pylons down into our life that said this is who we are and we'll never be more than that. And we're in a society now of disease where there's just rampant statistics that are so daunting one out of three people will get this and one out of four people will get that and all of those things. And those have an effect on you. And all of those things, I think, have to do with how much we believe God loves me. If we're on our own, then we just have to fend for ourselves. And all we have at our disposal to defend ourselves is what our parents or our upbringing or our experience in life has brought to us. Most people believe, and I, I categorically say that most, that they will not have a better life than their parents or their friends unless there's a divine, or excuse me, not divine, unless there's an intervention, i.e. The, the lotto. In other words, if, if something happened like that, that they got a settlement of some kind and, and or they got the lottery or they got an inheritance. Uncle Jack finally died and, and you were the only one. Those things are the only hope that most people have that they will live anything more than just an average, everyday, routine, quite hard, quite challenging life. And I'm telling you here that the Lord Jesus said, I've come that you might have a better life, a life that overflows. And the reason that we can even qualify for that is not because we think we're something special, but because the Lord said we are. He said, I love you. I'm in love with you and I'll never let you go. This morning, if you're reading through the. Uh, the. Uh, well, I don't have mine with me. The, the Bible reading you read first Corinthians 13 today. Is that is that where we were? The love chapter. That'll set your woods on fire. That was, that was so good. So uh, I say, we say that God is very much in love with me. Amen. Your head may fight you on that. 
because we may not feel so lovable. Condemnation is everywhere. Sin is rampant. Our past speaks to us. The devil tells us how we're not really that good. But Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. So uh, let's look at in John chapter 15 at how much God loves you. And if we can take his word, we can start the path of saying he's very much in love with me. Chapter 15, verse nine. Let's read it together. Ready, read. As the father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. As the father hath loved me. This is the Lord Jesus himself. He said, as he has loved me to that same measures, that same level, that same degree, I love you. Wow. So the measure of how much God loves all of us is the measure of how much God loves the Lord Jesus. Once again, we can't get our head around that. So you have to just believe it. So faith is necessary to believe that God is very much in love with me because we're in a system right now of favor. If you do good, somebody will like you. If you do bad, you're on your own. Hallelujah. In Luke chapter six, if you turn there with me, please. Luke chapter six. I've always been amazed by this scripture. To me, it's one of the most powerful in the New Testament. It is astounding. Luke chapter 6, verse 30. Oh, where shall we go? Okay, let's go up to 31. Let's, let's, let's do that. For as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. Now, you understand these men were not born again in his day that he spoke this. The love of God was not shed abroad in their hearts by the Holy Ghost because they were not born again. So they had no capacity. But just like when Peter came to the Lord and said, how much should we forgive? Seven times. And the Lord said 70 times seven, which was an infinite number. But he put that out there in a time that actually it was impossible. But it's not impossible for us. So he went on there. He says, for if you love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if you lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners... Also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies. But love your enemies. He, say, he said, but love your enemies. Y'all ever had any enemies? That were on the short list of, I hope you don't go to hell, but I wouldn't do anything to stop it. <laughs> but love ye your enemies and do good and lend, which speaks to the verses that he just uh, just mentioned, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. And ye shall be the children of the highest. And here it is. Read it with me. For he is kind unto the unthankful 
and to the evil. Right there, we have it summed up. He is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. I read an article this morning that talked about the one thing that all married couples say is the most important thing in their marriage, the thing that sustains them and promotes them and keeps them together, and it's the word kindness. If people are kind, they'll overlook almost anything that comes up incidentally. He said, for the Lord, for God is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. So would, would we say that God's not mad at anybody? Well, that's astounding. Because if you listen, if you look, that's it's everywhere. I read a feed that talked about the Mississippi tornado up in, uh, in uh, Amory, yes. And then that little town, something fork, uh, Rolling Fork, yes. And they were observing that and all the people that died and how tragic it was. And the damage was so terrible that Rolling Fork was all but destroyed. And uh, so the feed was going on there saying, God bless them and we pray for them. And and it's sad and everything. But then somebody came on there in the feed, as you know, they would and said, well, why are you praying for them? Because you're praying to God who did it. And then it then that opened up to another one that says, yeah, Prayers are useless. What, what are you doing? He's never helped anybody. And why do you think he's going to help them or help you? And it went on. There was a little pushback, but not as much as you would think. Uh, and it went on and on saying, God is the cause of this. Therefore, there is no remedy. So that's what's out there. So we have a world out there that we can be a demonstration that is where he says he is kind unto the unthankful, unto the evil. So I looked up some things that talk about God's not mad at anybody. I've been mad at folks before. And, and I'm good. And, and to be honest, if you were just to be honest and you say, oh, I'm not mad at anybody. Now, okay. Define the shades and the gradients of the word mad. We've all got people on the list that if you were hooked up to some machine that measured your emotions and we mentioned their name, there'd be a little jump in the needle. <laughs> It'd be something that we'd say, oh, you got, a, you got an issue with old doodly dog there? Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Or somebody that's hurt us or someone that hurts someone that we love. And we, uh, we have a special place in our heart for them. And we work at forgiving them. And we do forgive them. Because forgiveness is not an emotion. It's a decision. But then we go back to the Lord. And he said he's not mad at anybody. And I could, I could enlighten his jurisdiction. His, his, uh, his scan. I could say, Lord, there's some people out there you may not have known about. There's some people out there that you may have missed while you were over here looking at your sunsets that were doing bad things. Uh, so the only people that the Lord's tiffed at, if there's anyone, is the people that teach that he's not good, that teach that he's bad, that teach that God's the source of troubles. And you'd have to even go back and say God, that God's in control, therefore making him liable for the bad things that happen. Bad things happen. God's in control. Therefore, where do you go with that? 
you'd have to say, well, that means that God has something to do with the rolling fork in Amory. How, how, how do you get around that? Well, we just don't talk about that, but that's, that's there. So people are mad at God because they're untaught. They don't know that God loves me very much right now. God is good and he's good to me. I, I like what Melissa shared about in Job 325. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. That's what Job said. He truly said it, but it's not a true statement. The Lord giveth, but he does not taketh away. Amen. The devil steals, kills, and destroys. And that's the end of it. And I, I'm amazed at people that say that God's in control, that they assign nothing to the devil. In John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world. The world. So who's in the world? God so loved the world. Who, who's, who's in the world? I'm in the world. You're in the world. But there's some bad people in the world. And the word says that he loved them. How much? Well, you can measure love by giving. And so it says that he so loved them. How much did he love them? That he gave. How much did he give? He gave his only begotten son. Why? That none should perish but have everlasting life or the life of the everlasting. Uh, It's impossible to live a good life without knowing God loves you. Every one of us, there's, there's four basic things in us that we have to have in our life to function. And one of them is that, is that somebody loves me. And so when you run into people that are just, they're just nasty, they're gnarly, they're, they're in a bad mood. It's not usually you, but hurt people hurt people. And it's often, if you dig into it, is that they don't feel loved. They are rejected. The word says that we're accepted in the beloved. It's important that we know that and we believe that. Um, let's, here we are in verse 35. I'm going to read this verse 35 where it says, but love ye your enemies and do good and lend. Let me read it in the Amplified. It says, he is kind and charitable and good to the ungrateful and the selfish and the wicked. He's kind and charitable and good to the wicked, the selfish, the unthankful. That's, that's amazing. The Passion Version says, even the thankless and cruel he is kind to even the thankless and the cruel. You know, we read stories. We hear stories about people that lock their kids up in a dog crate and just do terrible things. They're cruel. It says he loves them. The easy to read translation says God is good even to the people who are full of sin and not thankful. He's like, there's my favorite right there. The, the BBE. The Bible of basic English. Thank you. For he is kind to evil men and to those who have hard hearts. 
The point being, if God so loved the world, how much more does he, how much more can we say he loves me? The cruel, the thankless, the evil, the hard hearted. How much more or how much can I say? He likes me just fine. So I looked up in the Greek, this word evil. It's the word poneris. And the definition is this, because he's kind to the unthankful and the poneris. It's the word sinners. Well, obviously, but it means the bad. He's kind to the bad. The grievous. The harmful. The lewd. Boy, I, I, you know, it, it's a stretch for me to go there. Hurtful. He's kind to the degenerate. So you can just see where you're drawing your line of, okay, I could go with this and go with that, but I'm not going there. The derelict. This is out of the Greek dictionary. The malicious. The morally diseased. And the devilish. He's kind to the unthankful and the devilish. Boy, God's got a love problem. He's just taking everybody in. Which leaves us very little room to be justified for hate and for dislike. But more than that, more than that, that we don't let God love us. I'm going to let God love me. I'm changing. I'm going into the corners. I'm going into the closets. I'm going into the, the pantry of my life. I'm going into the, 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 the junk drawer that everybody, every house has. I'm going into every place and I'm going to say, this is, this is not right, Lord. I, I don't like it. I don't want it. But I'm going to let you love me despite me working this out. Not when I get it worked out, but right now with it not worked out. Can you say amen? So God is kind to everyone. Everyone. So I looked up Romans 2, 4 and it says, don't you know, it's the goodness of God that leads men to change. So it's his goodness. So all these these uh, derelict and these malicious and this uh, uh, degenerate, hurtful, lewd, harmful, morally diseased and devilish said he reveals his goodness to them so that they'll change. And we go, well, that's upstanding of the Lord to do that. But the truth is the, the, the way big truth is that's what he did for each one of us. You may not ever thought you were morally diseased or derelict or lewd or uh, all these things. But in some dimension, some degree at some time, we've all touched it. I said, we've all been there, if not there, close to there. And it was just a moral thing that kept us from being there. Uh, verse 27 says, for the father himself, John, excuse me, 1627 says, for the father himself tenderly loves you because you love me. For the, is it up there? Let's read it together. For the father himself tenderly loves me because I loved him. Again, 
for the father himself tenderly loves me because I have loved him. Wow. So you got you got a problem that you're not letting love God love you, that you can't let him in in a certain area until you fix it. But then the remedy doesn't seem to be on the way. It's been there a while. It's there and looks like it's going to make a home and set up housekeeping. So you might not ever let God love you like he loves you. We've got to change it. Because that's what he wants. That's who he is. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 4, if you would, please. 1 John chapter 4. We were there the other day. Let's go there again. Repetition is good. We're going to talk about this for a time or two. It's so important that we know God is in love with me very much right now. He is excited about me. When I wake up, he is thrilled. That's what you got to say. He is thrilled when I get up. He was happy all night, but when I got up, he said, yeah, that's my boy. I am excited. I wonder what we'll do today. You go, nah, yeah, that's in your dreams. Yeah, that is. That's faith right there. First John chapter four, look in verse seven. We are of God. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. I'm in verse six, by the way. Hereby know ye the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now verse seven. Beloved, let us love one another. The word there for love is agape, unconditional love, unqualified love, a love with no bar, no restrictions, no qualifying. Beloved, let us agape love one another for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is number one. You might want to put a little number one right there. The first thing that everyone that loveth God First of all, they're born of God. Are you born of God this morning? Are you born of God? I'm born again. I've been refathered from above. I'm born of love. God is love and love loved me and I received love. Love loves me. He said, you're born of God. And number two, you knoweth God. So it's not enough to just say that we're born of God, the word says that we know God. How, what is it that we know about God? Listen, listen. What we know about God is not Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, it's not that. It's what we know is that God loves me right now. If you're born of God and you know God, you also know God loves me. We are sons and daughters. We are in his image. Then he says in verse eight, he that loveth not knoweth not God. What does that mean? It means you don't know God loves me right now. In other words, you're in a performance world. What you do has disqualified you from letting God love you like you are, as you are, where you are, what you've done, what you're doing or what you might do. He just said, I pay no attention to that. I love the malicious, the, the mean, the wicked, the, 
the ornery. I like all of them. I like you just fine. We don't even have to compare ourselves to that. He just loves us just fine, no matter where we are. So it's not when I do right that God loves me. It's when Jesus did right that God loved me. It's because of him, not because of you and me, that God loves me. He looks at us through him and he has no problem with us. Isn't it good? So how much do I love God? How much do I let him love me? That's how much. The amount of love that I let him love me is the measure of the love that I'm walking in. Not that I took you a casserole, not, not because I helped mow your grass or I, none of that, none of that. It's how much I let him love me. That is the measure, the fullness, the breadth of how much I love. So you'd be real nice to everybody else, but if you don't let God love you, you are a small little person. So I can change that. Can we change that? We yeah, walk across every sea and hot glass and nope, can't do any of that. But I can let God love me because love is a choice. So we're going to do that. Verse nine says uh, in this was manifested the love of God towards us. What was because that God sent his only begotten son into the world. Why? That we might live through him. So how are we going to live through him if we don't let God love us? If we're condemned, we have sin, we, we, we are guilty, we're full of shame, we don't let God love that out of us. He said then uh, uh, that we, we don't let him live through, excuse me, we don't live through Jesus. Give up. Give up. Just give up. If you're not going to let God love you, you are hopeless. And the rest of the good qualities in your life don't mean a thing unless you let God love you. I love this. Verse 10 says, herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us. So I can only love you. You can only love me, not because of what I do or don't do, but because you've let God love you. I'm accepted in the beloved. Therefore, I can do anything. I can love you, love them. In Matthew chapter 11. Let's slip over there. Matthew chapter 11. I know you know this. Nobody's gasping and saying, wow, I never heard that before. We all know that. We live in this. But we must walk in the level of its fullness in order to go into the place that God is sending us. You can't go any further than how much you believe and walk in. God loves me right now. Hallelujah. Chapter 11, look in what the Lord Jesus said uh, in verse 28. He said, come unto me. Come unto me, all that ye that labor and are heaven laden, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So he's talking about the new birth there. He said, take my yoke upon you. 
and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and so ye shall find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy, the new birth, and my burden is light. Talking about the Holy Ghost. He mentions the Holy Ghost here cryptically. My yoke is easy. Yoking, getting in the yoke with Jesus. And my burden to carry. The Holy Ghost, being filled with the Holy Ghost, what that does for you is it lets you live your life easier. Praise God. So people will say, not say, but they'll, they'll act like, I let Jesus save me because I could not save myself. But now I have to live a good performance filled life in order to stay saved. I told you the story recently about someone that was in their 80s, had been a Christian, raised by Christians and all their life. And he was in his 80s, 86, I believe is when he left. But right before he left, he told me, he said, I hope I've done enough. I hope I make it. And it's just the most devastating thing you can hear that someone that has lived in the Christian life that long didn't know for sure that they were born again. So we let Jesus save us by grace, but then we enter into a performance or a, a uh, uh, doing good in order to stay approved. Come on, y'all admit it. It's the truth, no matter how well we are. So what does Dr. Cole say? He said, you cannot, uh, well, I don't remember, so you can't fix by sacrifice what you lose through disobedience. You can't make it up by being good. You have to make it up by obeying. Here he said, uh, for instance, he said, uh, verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. So that's what we're doing. We're falling in love with Jesus. I'm learning in him, of him. What am I learning? He loves me. Despite and despite me, he loves me as if I never messed up. We even get that with our own kids. Our children have always disappointed us. We were certainly disappointments to our parents. You may say you weren't, but if we did a secret survey, we would find out from your folks that, yeah, that, that tied the knot right there. But they just always came back and forgave us. I hope they did. James chapter four, I'm almost through here. Thank God. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> okay, we'll giddy up here. <laughs> Thank God. Sometimes you hear it. <laughs> Timing is everything, isn't it? <laughs> Okay, so let's, let's just for a moment, let's just talk about our faith. Faith towards God. Faith to move the mountain. Faith to uh, believe we receive when we pray. Faith to confess our sins. And he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How does our faith work? The word says in uh, Galatians 5, 6, faith worketh by love. The, the verse says, in Jesus Christ, neither circumstances Circumcision availeth, nor circum uncircumcision, but faith that worketh by love. So everything, everything is working 
on walking in love. How do you walk in love? Being good to people? Well, first of all, you can't do that until you let God be good to you. And if we hold him off saying, I got boundaries, Lord. There's just so far I can go with my life because I know what's in my life and I've got sin. I did ask you to forgive me. I did confess it, but it's still there. So you have to cleanse your soul from all unrighteousness. You have to go to it and say, I'm as clean as if I never sinned. You have to say those words. First John 1 9 says, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, now the truth is there that we were never unrighteous in our spirit. So he's not cleansing us down here because if we were filthy down here, then we would have a then we wouldn't be born again. This down here, the spirit man in the belly, it's pure. It's undefiled. It's uh, it's sealed. But up here, condemnation works against us. So we get cleansed. So we, we say, I confess this sin. I agree with heaven that it is sin. That it's, it's, an, it's, a, it's an enemy of God. It's an enemy against my life, against my family, against my calling, against my, my future. We go there. We go there. We exhaust it. We we, we make it as nasty as it really is to the Lord. Lord, this is bad. There's no reason. There's no excuse. And we just, we just cleanse ourselves out. And then we apply the blood. He's faithful and just to cleanse us. We apply the blood and say, I've received the blood of Jesus to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And then here's what you say. Now I'm as clean as if I never sinned. The word said that he casts our sin into the sea of his forgetfulness, that it's as far from him as the east is from the west. So we go there by faith. How can we do that? Because God loves me. He's made a plan for me to escape sin and condemnation. James chapter four, verse seven says, first of all, it says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. How do we submit ourselves, therefore, to God? God loves me right now. God's in love with me right now. Right now, you don't have anything on your plate. There's nothing there. Nope. I got plenty. But God loves me very much. He's much and much in love with me right now. So I have to submit myself to God by submitting myself to his love. That God loves me. At any point, at any day, at any hour, pick it. Just pick any time. Just throw a dart behind you and say, I'm going to say at that moment, God loves. He's very much in love with me right now. Wow, that's submitting myself, therefore, to God. Well, what will happen? He said, resist the devil. Resist the punishment, the penalty, the consequences of sin, of missing it, of disobedience, resist the devil and he will flee from you. The key to winning is to letting God love you like he said he did. So no more struggle. I resist the devil. I resist the curse. I resist my past. 
I, I resist my tradition that I was brought up. I resist the condemnation, the shame, the guilt that people have tried to put on me, that my own head has put on me, saying you'll never amount to anything. You've blown it. You've busted it. The, you, you, you've gone as far as you're going to go now that this is in your life. And it, it doesn't matter if God forgives you, people won't forgive you and they'll be a part of your future. You've got to get past that and say, God loves me right now. And if he loves me, it's as if I never sinned. Never sinned. Say it with me. Never sinned. The new man that we are has never sinned. This flesh has gotten off into some yuckies. But this man in here is clean, clean. And God loves me to the hilt. God loves me right now. You say, oh, I got it. We, can we go on to something else? Not likely. Because <laughs> we can assent to it and in our head we'll say, I got it. I'm, I'm third grade capable. I, I got it. I figured it out. But we're going to pound it for a time or two. There's some other things that we need to know. Now we're going to go into the closets and into the junk drawer and into, the, uh, you know, the laundry hamper, all the parts of our life that are harboring that. And then we're going to forgive people. We're going to just release them because we've been released. And we can't be released except to the degree that we release them. Why is that? Because then we're not saying that God forgave me and loves me if I can't go and do likewise. If he hates the malicious, I mean, excuse me, if he loves the malicious, I can love someone that uh, got out of their lane and pulled into my lane, which I've done that a few times myself. And I do thank Jesus all the time that I don't have to go to the body shop because I messed up and that he pulled me off of them. Y'all ever change lanes when you didn't see that car? I didn't see that car. Where did you come from? I looked and he wasn't there. And then, <laughs> yeah, amen. So, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the love of God. It makes everything work. It makes everything work. And so without it, nothing works. And all of our troubles, Lord, we know now that all of our troubles is because we didn't have faith that worked by love. We were condemned in some way. We could only go so far. So we ask you right now to absolve us by forgiving us because you love us. And we do not take any options. We say it's finished. It's done. I am the beloved right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Are you the beloved this morning? Jesus loves me, this, this I know. For the Bible has told me so. Let's stand up and sing the song.